0: It's the David L. Gray Show. I'm your host, David L. Gray. I'm cutting through the clutter to offer a fresh cap of perspective on what's current and relevant. Welcome back. I'm your host, David L. Gray. And this is season three of the David L. Gray show in which I am talking about heroic virtue. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google play. And please make sure you leave a review for me there as well. That will help me out greatly. So what does it mean to be a champion for Christ in the world today? What do heroes do? What does a hero look like today? One thing we can say about our heroes, our saints, in every age of salvation history, is that they have been countercultural, which means that they've acted and behaved in a way that was opposite of what's popular in the culture in which they lived. They did not give into the popular immorality of the age in which they lived. Heroes are not indifferent towards sin. They do not need social acceptance. They do not need your titles, your acknowledgement, your friendship, your praise, your privilege. Why? Because they are solely dependent upon God for everything. Therefore, they need nothing from you. And whatever you do have is of no value to them because they only assign value on what comes from God alone. Heroes are people who are consistent their actions are always a reflection of their words, and their words are a reflection of their action. There is no confusion between the two for real heroes. Now, these heroes, these, these saints, they aren't perfect. They're on the incline towards ascension rather than the decline. But they aren't unstable in, in their words and actions either. You can always count on them to put their life on the line in sacrifice of truth and love. Now, one thing we, we've learned about Pope Francis um, since he's succeeded Pope Benedict XVI is that Francis is, is not a hero by these standards, and that's fine. I mean, we have to accept that that's fine. Pope Francis is not a hero by traditional standards, because every pope isn't a hero. That's fine. About five hundred years ago, not many people were calling Pope Leo X a hero in light of his complete failure to listen to those who were warning him about the political and religious threats coming out of Germany, and his slow as molasses response to it. We rarely, very rarely, have had any royal popes in the last 2,000 years. We've considered ourselves fortunate just to have a pope who can exec- execute faithfully the three duties uh, of his office, which is one, to proclaim um, Christ. First duty, proclaim Christ. Second is to be a servant and slave and friend of all creatures of God. And the third is to be the raucous strength of unity and support for his brother bishops. And These are the three duties of the Pope um, that we find in Scripture based upon the two confessions that Peter made about Christ and the one confession that Jesus made about Peter in Scripture. I'll put a link to a paper I wrote in grad school about those Three duties. That's what they are. We've been fortunate just to have a pope who can do, you know, two of them well, right? So we've rarely had popes of heroic virtue. Most popes have not been canonized saints. We, we've never had a pope who was her, a heretic. Now, t- to to spell that out, let me define what a heretic is. A heretic by our teaching in the Catholic Church is a baptized Catholic who obstinately denies the faith. Now, by baptized Catholic, I mean to say that a non-believer cannot be a heretic because they have not professed an initial belief in the faith. I'll define faith now. By the faith... We mean that those things that Catholics are obliged to believe, that Catholic, as a Catholic, I'm obligated to believe because it has been revealed by God. This is the dogma of the church, most of which we profess every Sunday at Mass in the Nicene Constantinople Creed. You, you can't deny any of those things in the creed or in a few things outside the creed, and call yourself a Catholic who is in union with the church. You're a heretic if you do. You're outside and not in union with the church. Now let me define obstinate. By obstinate denial of the faith we're pointing to what is called a mortal sin. A mortal sin requires um, three conditions for something to be a mortal sin. The first thing is that it has to be something of grave matter. Rejecting a faith that you once professed and were baptized into is grave matter and worthy of hell. Second the second thing for it to be a mortal sin is you have to have full knowledge. A heretic is someone who actually knows the faith, knows it full well, but intentionally denies it. S- someone who doesn't know the faith, who is ignorant of it, can be in grave error, can be in grave error if they don't know it, but they're not a heretic. You, you have to know the faith you are denying. And the last one, number three, for something to be a moral sin, it has to be, they have to perform an action of their own free will in accord. A person cannot be forced into heresy, it has to be a free action. You can't entrap someone into heresy, you can't set them up. It has to be of their own free will in accord. Now, ask whether Pope Francis is a heretic. I mean, this is a question, this is a position, I would say, that has been taken by a frightening amount of faithful Catholics. I mean, it's outright scary the number of Catholics who are no longer trying to out-Catholic the Pope or or be more, more Catholic than the Pope, but who are actually wondering if the Pope we have is a Catholic. Now, granted, they're not just making this up in their head. I mean, they've they've seen some things. They've been examining a tree, and they've they've ate the fruit, and it doesn't it doesn't taste right, and they're concerned. I mean, just just to name a few things. I mean, Pope Francis has been consistently indifferent to church teaching on life and monogamous marriage between one man and one woman, and he almost he's almost always silent on the subject of gay marriage so-called gay marriage and abortion whenever he's visiting a country where abortion and same-gender marriage has been legalized he's quite he's been quite vocal he's made a couple of strong statements on abortion in places where it's safe maybe in a sunday homily at the vatican but he's visiting a south american country he he's in in italy outside of the vatican he's he's in the united states Places where these issues are at the front and foremost, he is silent. And frankly so. But he, he never obstinately denies church teaching on life and marriage. But at the same time, he never defends it in place where it matters. In the name of being merciful. In the name of speaking about some other issues. Poverty, unemployment, climate change. Rather than issues that are terrifying most people in the church and are, are that is making a ruin of our society in clearly areas in which Satan is working overtime to prevent life to prevent more people who might come, know, love and serve God Pope Francis has been indifferent to the Catholic understanding of God and has made numerous gestures of the Catholic idea of the Holy Trinity being equal with the pagan, Muslim, and Protestant idea of God. He's even recommended that to his supposed good friend, Tony Palmer, an England, who actually wanted to become a Catholic. His good friend wanted to become a Catholic, but Pope Francis told him that he should not. But then gave him a Catholic funeral mass when he died. Again, not obstinately denying that the church is the fullness of truth, fullness of the faith, But sort of winking at this teaching in the name of ecumenism. Pope Francis said that Catholics shouldn't have as many children. That we shouldn't breed like rabbits. Because that's not responsible parenting. Again, not obstinately denying the command to be fruitful and multiply. But winking at it in the name of parental responsibility. Pope Francis said that there's no punishment in hell, but rather an annihilation. Again... Not an outright rejection of the church teaching on there being a hell, but winking at the qualities of this state of hell. Ever since Pope Francis has become Pope, he's made it, uh, it's been a tendency of his to elevate people who hate the Catholic Church and run over people in the bus that he's driving who are faithful to the Catholic Church. Raymond Cardinal Burke, people like this. He'll elevate people who hate the Catholic Church, you know, run over those in a bus that he's driving who love the church this year in particular the pope has made it a fun habit to publicly praise those who reject catholic teaching on life and marriage in the name of some social charity work they have been involved with such as Emma Boninian if that's how you pronounce her name she's a woman who works with African refugees which is a good thing on the surface working with African refugees awesome but this is the same person um, who for instance, is called a hero and a champion who is elevated this is the same person who champions, even even harder, equally as hard as she does the African refugee cause, legalized abortion, euthanasia, homosexual marriage, the legalization of recreation drugs, graphic sex education. Then on May 29th, Pope Francis gave the Olive Medal for Peace. Get this, for peace to three champions of war on children and war on marriage. These people were actors George Clooney and Richard Gere. And actress Selma Hayek. All three of these people have been very public and very vocal in their opposition to the Catholic Church and their teaching on life and marriage. These people have warred against our teaching, and yet Pope Francis gave them the Olive Medal for Peace. That is very strange, very hypocritical. In the name of honoring their activism against climate change, terrorism, war, Pope Francis honored three people who were actively engaged in war against the Catholic Church. Pope Francis apologized to Protestants on behalf of the Catholic Church for obstructing the growth of their communities. He's told people that they don't need to be physically in the Church. He said that the ordinance that Pope Benedict XVI established for Anglicans were unnecessary. When he published these so-called Ten Secrets of Happiness, he said nothing about Jesus, prayer, the Bible, or the sacraments. And he's called priestly celibacy a modern invention. Again, never obstinate denying the faith. But winking at it. Dancing around it. Prancing around it. And in, his, in his recent enciclure, enciclure, exhortation, rather, um, Emerus um, Latia, he doesn't come out in full heresy mode to outright allow communion for people. Living in unrepentant sin, that is, people who were married in the Catholic Church, got a civil divorce, never got an annulment, but then got remarried civilly, um, uh, and basically are living in an adulterous relationship. He didn't come out in his exhortation to go ahead and say these people can receive communion. But he sort of winks at the teaching by saying that local priests now have the ability to hear these cases individually and to determine for themselves whether these people can commit a sin against Jesus Christ by receiving him in the Holy Eucharist. These people who have decided of their own free will and accord to stay outside of the church by not reconciling themselves and fixing their situation, which is possible to fix rather than having him do that he's made an allowance for them to commit a mortal sin he's allowed priests on their own to give people an allowance to sin against Christ so what do you have here when you have a pope who winks at the teaching of the catholic church and, and talks and acts in a way that causes scandal in the minds of faithful Catholics. Then, when pressed on the issue, always attempts to affirm the traditional teaching in respect to his action or words, or, or encyclical or exhortation that seem to skirt church teaching. Is Pope Francis a heretic? Well, let's let's go ahead and, and then redress what what. What is what a heresy is, in the three qualities of a moral sin. And let's go ahead and affirm that Pope one of them is true that Pope, that it is grave matter. Two, that Pope Francis does have full knowledge of Catholic Church teaching because we've heard it from him, and he, he he's a Jesuit. Not saying that Jesuits all Jesuits know Church teaching, but it, you know they're in seminary for like eleven years, right? And Pope Francis was that one time the head of the Jesuits. Um, he, he's been a bishop. I mean, let's go ahead and let's just go ahead and assume that he has full knowledge of the faith. We still can't say, and also, let's say that the third criteria is met that it is of his free will accord that the gay lobby is impressing him. Now, certainly, there's somebody working in the Vatican that's setting up Pope Francis and arranging these meetings and putting these horrible Examples of human character in front of him For him to get These people aren't being vetted Pope Francis doesn't have anyone In his, his circle of advisors That is advising him The way that faithful Catholics would like to But we can't say that's all on advisors Pope Francis, he's, he's not He's not a stupid person by any he, he He's quite intentional These things aren't accidents You know, he's not being set up So it has to be of his own Free will and accord but the, the thing that still, we're still missing in, in saying clearly that Pope Francis is a heretic is that we can't say that he's ever obstinately denied the faith. Because whenever he, he's pressed on issues, he always attempts to affirm the traditional teaching in respect to his action and words or encyclical, exhortation. All right? he, he always backtracks and clarifies things when he's pressed on them in one of these, these interviews. And, and but then you know he'll he'll say something like well you know that's that's a that's you know that's the church teaching that's the law you know that's what it is being rigorous but we should be more merciful we should meet people where they are All right that's the ideal but the ideal can't always be met All right you know that's how he, he skirts around it so he'll affirm it but he'll skirt he'll dance he'll do a two step so we can't say that he's a heretic, but I think what we have here is a cause to create a new word to describe Pope Francis. He isn't a traditional heretic, no. but what he is is a neo-heretic, a neo-heretic. It's, it's a new word, I just invented it, right? I think I may have mentioned it before on, on my website, but this is my first time saying it out loud. So he isn't a heretic like Nancy Pelosi or Melinda Gates. I mean, these are people who know the Catholic Church teaching. They'll tell you what the Catholic Church teaching is on life and on marriage. But then they'll say, then they'll tell you why they hold a different position than that. Nancy Pelosi would call herself a mainstream Christian. Now, these women are heretics. Like They should not be anywhere near the an altar in the Catholic Church where the body and blood of Jesus Christ is, unless they've been to confession first I and mean, made a good confession. That's not Pope Francis. He's, he's not a heretic like they are. But a neo-heresy is, I'm about to define it. This is my definition of neo-heresy. is denying the faith in action while supporting it in words. A neo-heretic is basically a hypocrite. That is basically a hypocrite. They, they, they say one thing and do another. That's what Pope Francis is, a hypocrite. Just like you and I are. We're, we're no different than Pope Francis in, in this regard. You know, I, I may leave Mass after receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ and get behind someone who's driving ridiculously stupid on the highway. And I may think evil things in my head. Okay. I, I be, I'm being a hypocrite there. Or I, I may say one thing on my blog about this moral issue or that moral issue, then I go do it myself. Oh, okay. I'm being a hypocrite. But when I do those things I'm not causing scandal on a global stage. I'm not in the seat of Peter causing scandal to billions of Catholics like Pope Francis does when he does when he performs as a neo-heretic. When he does this, when he acts as a hypocrite, it's nothing more. It's a than scandal. <laughs> Trying to forget my Feelings of love to Sandaless Rolling down on my face Candalous. Trying to forget my Candalous. Feelings of love Now, neo heretics, and there are many of them. I mean, all of they are just unprincipled cowards. These are people who are afraid of telling the truth because they know that when they tell the truth, it's going to hurt people's feelings. But neo heretics are generally people who need to be liked. <laughs> they need social acceptance. They need affirmation and validation. These, people, these are people who are afraid of loving in a sacrificial way as Christ loved. Because it's difficult. And they need things to be easy. Neoheretics are not heroes. They are chumps. They are unnecessary. But they are also everywhere in the Catholic Church. And all they do is cause scandal. You, I mean, you, you thought what Father Jenkins did, another neoheretic... At Notre Dame in 2009, by giving the award um, an honorary degree to Barack Obama, was bad. Or what neo Heretic Cardinal Dolan did by leading the first gay St. Patrick's parade and, and giving platform to Obama at Dow Smith banquet. You thought that was bad. Or all these so-called universities, what they do every year by allowing these pawns of Satan to address their graduate universities. You, th- you think that's bad? New Heresy is only going to get worse because where we are now, we're, we're trapped in what I believe is an age of, of global humanism, humanism that puts the human being at the center of all things. We're in this age of global humanism that's, that's supported by this, this digital age that, that has no fear of hell. <laughs> we just don't fear, fear hell anymore. We don't even think about it. And we're only concerned about human self-interest. And, and it's not that, as human beings, it's not that we're just outright rejecting truth and love. We, we, we just aren't that interested. It's not even in our frontal lobe. It's not something that we, th- we think about, loving in a sacrificial way as Christ loved. Or the responsibility that, the, that we have to know the truth and respond to it. In this age of humanism, this global age humanism, we, we believe... That the only thing that is true is what we need to be true. And the only thing that we need to love are things that are a utility to us. It's only important to love something if it, if it, if it somehow benefits me. And that's not authentic love, but it's what we call love. So what do we do? What, how, do we, how do we respond to this? The, the, the neo-heretic and the neo-heresy in this age of global humanism. What we need is heroes. We need you to be heroes and champions and saints of the truth and love that you have received from Jesus Christ and to be a bright light in the darkness of the world. We need you to show your children, your community, and those who, whoever you encounter the love and truth of Christ in your example and in your word and be as consistent as you can in them. Do what you're going to say, say what you're going to do, in union with what the church teaches. And therefore, if you're countercultural with this, if you show people that there's a different way, a better way, you'll give all people a reason for the hope you have in Christ. Live authentically. Live audaciously. Dare to live a life in Christ without being a hypocrite. Most of all, persevere with the gift of fortitude from the Holy Spirit against all attacks from the evil one who hates you, who is always trying to undermine you. It, it's difficult. Satan is at this very moment Satan is attacking he, he's attacking me. He's trying to prevent us from loving authentically, from from living a sacrificial life. but from the Holy Spirit we have been given and we can pray to receive more the gift of fortitude to be strong, to persevere in the faith against all obstacles of this world. This is the David O. Gray Show. I'll talk to you next time. Until then, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.